Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is March the 30th, and our chapter for today is 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is what is referred to as the Davidic Covenant. God made an unconditional covenant with David, just as he did Abraham. And when God called Abram, he called him, not because of Abram, not because of any works that he could do, not because of any righteousness that he had, but God called him on the basis of God's choice and who he is and what he was going to do in Abraham's life. The same thing is true with David. Both David and Abraham were sinful men, just like we are, but God chose them and chose to use them, and they responded in faith to the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God toward them. They were used by God to be the forerunners of the faithful. This is why I say without equivocation that Abraham and David are the two most important people in the entire Old Testament as it relates to our salvation. God gave Abraham the promise of lineage, of land, of the Messiah coming through his lineage and loins. David He was promised a kingdom that would be eternal. That Messiah, the one who would rule and reign over the world one day and over the universe, would be out of his lineage. And indeed, that's exactly what happened. That's why the Gospel of Matthew, the first verse of the first chapter of the entire Berit Hadashah, the New Testament, reads this. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, who is the son of David, who is the son of Abraham. Immediately, he is put in line and lineage of Abraham and David, the ones that God made unconditional promises to. Well, let's get to chapter 7. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, that is David, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around. By the way, he's the only one who can that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See how I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Well, it always had dwelt inside tent curtains from the time in the wilderness when it was first crafted and the presence of God was upon it until the day that it went into the temple itself. It was in a house of curtains. And so Nathan, being the advisor that he was to David all the days of his life, Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelled in a house since the time I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built a house of cedar? 
Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant, David, notice the Lord calls him his servant, always his servant. This is the master's master principle. Now, please hear me. He that will be greatest among all of us will be servant of all. I didn't say that. Jesus did. And it's still the master, Jesus. It's still the master's master principle. My servant, David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you, David, from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. So God is about to make a covenant with David, just as he did with Abraham. It's fascinating because God is reminding David over and over again through the prophet Nathan that it was he, God, who set him up. It was he, God, that saw him with the sheep. It was he, the Lord himself, that set him over the people called Israel, his own flock. It was he, God Almighty, that cut off all David's enemies. It wasn't his military prowess and ingenuity. It was the hand of God upon him. God had mercy upon him. God had favor upon him. God showed him chesed like no man who had ever been before him or after him. David was a man after God's own heart. He wanted to please the Lord above everything else. And then in verse 12, God said this, a great covenant to David. He said, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, this is what God says, I will set up your seed after you. God said, I will do it. Who will come from your body, I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. And we know that's Solomon. I will establish the throne of his kingdom. I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. Listen to this. But my mercy, my chesed, my favor, my divine favor shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. And your throne shall be established forever. This is what God said. God didn't say, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this. He said, I will set up your seed after you. I will establish your kingdom. I will establish the throne of this kingdom forever. I will chasten him, yes, but I will never take from him my favor in my hand. This is God's unconditional covenant, not based upon David and what he'll do, but based upon God and what he will do. What a blessing. Now, by the way, as you read through the rest of the entire Old Testament, you're going to see this phrase over and over again by God himself. I am doing what I'm doing to you, not because of you, but because of the promise I made to your father, David. 
David was such a man of God after God's own heart. Yes, I know what he did. Yes, I know he took him another man's wife. Yes, I know he took him another man's life. Yes, I know that. And so does God. And you know what God says? I forgive him. And he will forgive whom he wants to forgive. He will set up who he wants to set up. He will take down who he wants to take down. You know why? He's God. And he always does the right thing. And God had mercy on David because David repented of his sin and turned to him. Yes, did it cost him? Sin always costs us. It always makes us pay a higher price than we want to pay. It always takes us farther down the road than we want to go. It always costs us more than we ever dreamed it would cost. That's the nature of sin itself. It looks so good, but it's not. It never is. And so... God saw it all, and God said, I will have mercy on him. I will have favor on him. I see his heart. I see that he wants to please me. Yes, I see his weakness. Yes, I see his temptations. But I also know his heart, and I know he loves me, and he wants to honor me. And I'm going to honor him, and God is able to do that. And so God says to the kings after him, I'm going to bless you, not because of you, but because of the covenant and promise I made to David. You see, God said this over and over again to the children of Israel. I'm blessing you, not because of you. I'm blessing you because of what I promised Abram, your father. What I promised Abraham, your father. What I promised hundreds of years ago, I'm going to be faithful to. You might be unfaithful, but I'm always faithful. This is our God. Great is his faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. God is always faithful to us. He's always right there with us, and he will do what he said he would do. And so he said to David, this is what I'm going to do. And how did David respond? Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I? Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? Could we all just stop right now and say, Oh, Lord, who am I? And what is my house? that you have brought me thus far. God has been so much better to us than we ever deserve. God has brought us from where we have come from in our lowest moment, and God has brought us to where we are today. He's had mercy on us over and over again. Could you just pause and say, oh God, who am I? Oh God, you have brought me thus far. And yet this is a small thing in your sight, oh Lord God. And you have also spoken to your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? What more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these things to make your servant know them. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make a name for himself, to make himself a name, to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land? Before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods, for you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. You see, what David was saying is, God, you've spoken this. 
I couldn't speak this. Only you could. So, God, will you make it come to pass? Lord, only you can bring it to fruition. You see, God not only was acknowledged by David as the one who originated all of this. It wasn't David. But he said, God, you're the only one who can keep it going. Isn't that the truth? I mean, we start something and we have a success and we say, oh, God, this is great. But you see, only God can make it go on. You can't stop. You can't say, okay, now we can coast. You don't coast toward God. You coast away from God. The only way you can coast is downhill. You don't coast uphill. Intentionality. David knew this. And so he sought the Lord with all of his heart. He said, one thing have I desired, and that's to be in the house of God all the days of my life. In other words, Lord, I want to be in your presence. I don't want to go a day without knowing you and knowing your presence. And he says, Lord, here's what I want you to understand. The word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever. You see, David wasn't worried about his own name. He was worried about the Lord's. He was concerned about God's name. He said, the Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. He's the one that's over all the hosts of heaven. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servants, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God. And your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it. And with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. And indeed, God will be faithful to his promise. And not only is he faithful in his promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to David. He's faithful to us. Now, why is it important that God be true to Abraham? Why is it important that God be true to Isaac and Jacob? Why is it important that God be faithful to David? Here's why. Why is it important that God doesn't forsake Israel? Some people say, well, they killed the Christ. They killed the Messiah. So therefore, God's cut them off. You better hope that he doesn't cut them off because he said he never would. And if God is unfaithful to his promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to David, how do you know he's not going to be faithful and unfaithful to us? You see, a lot is hanging on the word of God. You and I are saved by the word of God. You say, well, I know I'm saved and going to heaven because I had an experience with God. Well, how do you know God gave you that experience? You say, well, I had a feeling. Well, that feeling can pass. Emotion will go up and down and round and round. Emotions will come. Emotions will go. Feelings and experiences will come and go. The only thing that causes you and I to be sure of our salvation forever and ever is God said in his word, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you and I turn from our wickedness and turn to God with all of our heart and we put our trust in Jesus to save us alone, not mass, not any kind of works, not taking communion, not being baptized. No, just trusting the Lord Jesus to pay for our sins and to do what he said he would do. That's the only trust and faith that we can have that pleases God. Do we live a life that's pleasing to him? Hopefully, yes. But the fact is, we can never live good enough for God to save us. We can never live good enough to keep ourselves saved. 
We have to trust in the righteousness of Jesus alone to save us. We have to trust in his sacrifice for our sins. He died, the righteous for the unrighteous. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, Jesus, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that were saved. David knew that his Redeemer lived. Abraham knew that his Redeemer lived. Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives. Jesus is alive. Trust him. David did. Abraham did. So can you. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.